Welcome back to the Inner Circle Podcast. Uh, my guest this week is a uh, actually a coworker of mine at Alert Logic, uh, Ryan Berg. Um, so, Ryan, uh, give us a little bit of background on uh, on you and uh, your role at Alert Logic, or your just kind of your role in cybersecurity. Yeah, I mean, I like to think of myself uh, mostly as an innovator in in cybersecurity. I mean, I came through Alert Logic through an acquisition of an endpoint security company by the name of Barkley. I've been doing security for, it seems like, forever. Um, it's probably close to about 20 years now. I started my first company, was doing hardened operating systems back in the NT4 days. It seemed to be the golden era of internet security, although it seems like every year there are just more networks, more devices, more, more problems, more security. And then I, I started a, a static source code analysis company called Ounce Labs, uh, that was sold to IBM in 2009. So I've been doing a bunch of different things in and around the security space uh, for close to two decades, or a little, a little over two decades. All right. All right. And, you know, uh, I, I would say that I've been, like, involved in cybersecurity for, you know, roughly the same amount of time, um, but with not nearly the amount of, like, success or accolades. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have multiple patents and companies under my name. Uh, uh, success is a state of mind, Tony. It's a, <laughs> purely is a state of mind. Um, so, we, we, you know, so like I said before, we got started that uh, it seems to be uh, you know almost ancient history at this point because things happen so fast and change so much in in cybersecurity and technology in general. Um, but it was only about a month ago, uh, just over a month ago, that we were in Las Vegas with uh, you know tens of thousands of our closest friends. Uh, for the uh, you know annual uh, hacker summer camp, uh, also known as Black Hat and DefCon, um, and while we were there, uh, we were talking about uh, you know kind of walking the expo floor and, and seeing what all of the other vendors uh, had to say. What 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 are they pitching? What are they saying? And um, and and you had an interesting perspective on it. Uh, you know, regarding, you know, that it was kind of like, you know, having gum on your shoe. So I want to, I, I want to talk about that and I want to share that with the podcast audience. So let's start there. Well, I think security is an in and out. We'll specifically talk about internet security or network security it is a very interesting field in the sense that we talk a lot to each other and we invent new things with new acronyms you know, firewalls and VPNs and gateways and proxies and SSL and TLS, you name it. We've got words and acronyms up the wazoo. Then we go to the business and say, hey, we need you to not only understand the language that we're speaking, but we need you to understand it at the same level that we understand it so that you can then apply these practices that are constantly changing every year with every new device into your organization. And what I find is that if, if I was a, a business and I walk into Black Hat and I walk into the Expo Hall, how do I know what any of this is and why I want to spend any money on it at all? And I think a lot of the security industry has spent an enormous amount of time giving what I think of is putting gum on people's shoes. You talk about security. I remember my wife was a nurse, and there, you know, I went to her holiday party one year. And we were going around the table, and everyone's asking, so what do you do? And this person's like, oh, you know, I'm an accountant. And everyone's like, oh, interesting. And the other person, oh, I'm a tax attorney. Oh, that's interesting. And another person, well, I'm a mechanic. Oh, great. And it gets to me, and they say, what do you do? And I say, network security. And everyone's like, huh. They kind of raise their eyebrow, and they look at you a little bit. And they don't really have anything interesting to say, at least at that time, because they didn't really even understand 
what it was. Right. And, and we haven't really gotten any better at that. And, and so we create this and we give these problems to other people expecting that they're going to come with the same amount of, of knowledge that we, you know, that I built a career on and be able to make the same decisions that we make every day and then feel comfortable about the money that they're spending because we're trying to sell them something that we're saying, Hey, if you, if you had all the experience in the world and an infinite budget, you should have one of these. And, and right. how do businesses that are coming to a conference like that weed their way through saying, where, do, what am I really supposed to be doing here? Right. Well, and I, and I can say, you know, I, I've, I've gone to, you know, Black Hat for over a decade. I've gone to RSA, you know, a little bit longer than that. So, I mean, I've, I've been going to these conferences and, and at least for the last uh, five, six years, I go there, you know, from the, you know, wearing my like uh, cybersecurity marketing hat. I'm, I'm there in a marketing capacity. And when, when I look at things from that angle, it's, it's, there, it's actually kind of frustrating because we are, you know, we, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to come up with messaging, trying to come up with, well, how do we clearly convey to customers what it is we do and, and what the value is for them? And whether or not we're successful at that, uh, the, the, the challenging part is that you go to somewhere like RSA or Black Hat and there's a hundred other vendors who are using the exact same messaging who don't don't necessarily do what you do and and probably and, and a lot of them can't actually deliver on what they're saying but then i look at it from like okay well now you've just kind of destroyed my messaging because if 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 someone who's a a, a lay person who's just coming to this conference to try to learn and try to try to find a product walks the floor they have no context they have no way of knowing whether what i'm saying is right or whether what the company across the aisle is saying is right and therefore you know all the messaging is is now moot it, it well it's it, it it's it's interesting because you know i was thinking of of this earlier today i'm driving into work um, I'm, and i'm trying to constantly think of analogies for to describe how the layperson in the organization can look at security as a business and it's not the perfect metaphor but i was thinking of of lawn care as an example right Lawn care in my house is not something that I like to do. I don't enjoy doing it. I don't really want to know about all the different kinds of lawnmowers and when, at what day I should spread fertilizer and what day, and what watering cycle I should have and which plants work in which environment. And not, not only that, but maintain my lawnmowers and, and edgers and trimmers and you name it. That is not something that I want to spend my time doing. That does not, you know, if I think of my house as a business, I'm running my house, and that's something that needs to be done, then that's not something that I want to engage a lot of energy in. So I outsource that, and I go to someone saying, hey, I want you to take this problem off of my hands. And what happens is that in, that in that world, they don't come back to me and then say, all right, well, you need to have one of these and six of these and five of these and four of these and need to understand you know, the watering cycle and the planting cycle and all those. I, I do not get all these problems in return. I'm giving a problem for them saying, hey, I'm looking to you as an expert to to sort of do this for me because it's not where I want to spend my energies. Now, if you, if you take that same analogy and look at security, oftentimes what happens is that it's there's the, the market is saying, this is not a problem I want. I don't want this problem. And then they're looking for someone to say, oh, yeah, we're going to take this problem away from you away from you, so that you don't have to do it. But what oftentimes happens is that instead of taking away the problem, it's giving the problem back saying, OK, well, oh, by the way, you need to also be concerned about this. And you also need to have one of these. You need to buy one of these because this only covers these three things. And you also need one of these because it only covers four things. You need to hire all these people. You need to train them and keep them. And, and the customer saying, well, wait a minute. How did something that I said I didn't want this problem all of a sudden come back to me and say it's my problem again? Right, and I think that's that's the challenge of the discourse that we have in the security industry, especially from purely from a product standpoint, is that we're creating these products and then saying, hey, you know, customer says, oh, I don't want to worry about ransomware, and then you come back and say, well, you, all right, well, you need a full-time staff of reverse engineers who can reverse engineer. You know, zero days and malware because that's the only way you're ultimately going to be able to understand everything that's going on. They're like, oh, wait a minute. That's that's really not the question I was asked. But the market right. is saying, but that's what we built. 
right? Well, and, and you know, so you know, before we got started, I, I brought up the you know, my I also tend to think in like metaphors and analogies, and 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 that's kind of act, actually, if I go way back, that's sort of how I got started writing uh, it, about security in the first place, is because I was just very good at coming up with analogies that helped people understand it in plain English. That, that that's kind of what I do, um, and I I. It had mentioned that you know I when I was thinking about this you know the gum on your shoe and how, how security vendors uh, you know keep offering solutions that just put more gum on your shoe that it 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 kind of reminded me of that children's fairy tale fable whatever you want to call it of the old lady who swallowed the fly and then she had to swallow the spider to get the fly and the bird to get the spider and the cat to get the bird and the dog to get the cat and yada 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 and and how you know each one of those things you know it like it. At, at face value in the moment, it seems like a solution to the problem you currently have, and yet it actually becomes a bigger problem. <laughs> you know, and now 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 you have a bigger problem to deal with, and you just keep adding on. You know, for every solution you add, you add another problem. Yeah, I think the it, you, we often say in security that it's turtles all the way down, right? And then you begin to pick pick off these these issues one by one saying, oh, you know, back 20 years ago, security was, do you actually have a firewall, right? And and now it's, well, do you have a firewall? Do you have an IPS, right? Do you have a 24 by 7 SOC? Do you have a training program, not only for secured software development? Do you have this integrated? You, are you doing DevOpsSec? Do you have this created into, into your SDLC? Oh, don't forget about cloud and we've got container security oh and by the way we've got mobile security we got bring your own device mobile security we've got corporate device mobile security and it's layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and every day it's a new thing and 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 i think the industry is starting to or organization like wait a minute stop I, I what happened to my original question which is how are you going to help me be more secure when you keep getting more gum on your shoe? Every new thing is a new thing that I need to now become an expert in and put on the bottom of my shoe. And organizations, you know, global organizations may have budgets for this and it may be working for them. You know, you can argue whether it is or whether it isn't if you look at the news. But if you look at the average small to medium business, where do they even start? They're like, okay, I, is this my journey? My journey is to create a bigger business just so I can hire more security folks. Well, and I, you know, I'd say for probably a year, year and a half now, I've, I've been on this sort of uh, mantra or kick of that nobody, nobody wants to buy cybersecurity products, really. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what would be really, you know, really make my day is if I could buy a new firewall. Um, there's nothing exciting about that. Nobody wants that. What they want is confidence in their security posture, and they want peace of mind. They want they want they want to know that you know that everything has been done you know that, that can reasonably be done to protect their environment. And so to kind of bring this back to your 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 uh, lawn care and landscaping uh, analogy, we you know I, I I'm the same way you know I mean, I, I I did a brief stint where I actually bought a lawnmower. I did that once or twice, and I said, well you know screw that. I don't want to do that job. That that job sucks. Um, I'm going to pay someone else to do this job now. But my vision of paying someone else to do that job was all encompassing. Like you know I, I want you to mow the lawn. I want you to trim the bushes. I want you to, you know, trim back the, the, you know, the trees. I want you to weed the, the beds. I want, I want you to do all of it. And, and, and if you, you know, and I'm looking to you to be the landscaping expert. So I want you to come to me and say, Hey, we noticed, you know, this is happening over here. We think you should do X, Y, Z, or, you know, we noticed that, you know, this, this doesn't look as good as it, as it could. We recommend, you know, maybe adding a couple, you know, adding some, perennial flowers or throw, putting in some new shrubs. I want you to be the expert and, and, and I'm looking to you to be my like landscaping consultant. And to that end, we actually just replaced our landscaper because he wasn't doing those things. Like, I mean, and he, he's, he's been our guy for seven years, but things fell off and all he was doing was mowing the lawn. And I had to keep going to him saying, okay, but what about this? What about this? And he would kind of do it, but then it, it just became too much of a burden on me. I'm like, well, I don't want to do your job. I don't want to follow you around and tell you how to do the landscaping. That's what I'm paying you for. 
And that's what I think a lot of companies are, are looking for, or if they're not looking for it, it's because they just don't they just don't know that they should be looking for it. You know, they, I think I think a lot of companies are still in this mindset of well, they're supposed to buy security tools and then they're supposed to implement them and manage them and and things, and they don't understand that you know it, it, it like landscaping for for a homeowner, it's actually in many ways just a much better decision. It's more cost effective. It's it's more effective. Period. To outsource that and have a professional as long as you can find a professional that actually fills the 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 role and 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 acts as that consultant and does all the things because if they're only doing part of it but they keep coming back to you and expecting you to take on some of the burden then it doesn't really help you that much yeah the, the, i mean the, uh, it's a partnership right anytime you're in the service industry or where you're looking saying hey i want you to be able to do this and am I satisfied or not satisfied with the ability for you to to take away the work that I'm looking at doing versus giving me more more homework, right? And so having it is important to make sure that you're having that conversation on a regular basis, much like you were looking at your your landscaper saying, "Hey, this person isn't doing a good job. I do. I shouldn't be using them. Maybe I I need to go find someone else." And and that is that is an aspect of, of this in industry, which we're, I mean, we're, getting, we're getting to see, and we talk a lot, of, a lot of service organizations. When you think of great service organizations, what do you think of? Think of organizations that, one, have empathy, you know, that, two, have expertise, and three, are willing to listen and make sure that they are, are putting your best interests first. And, and having an engaging and open dialogue is an important thing. And that's not to say that there is a silver bullet. That's not to say that you know, every organization or every company is going to be able to solve 100% of your problem. But if, if, if someone is not even listening to the percent of the problem that you're most concerned about and, it, and are instead telling you your problem should be coalesced to these things, which I currently do, you need to think about that and saying, okay, well, hey, are, these, are they really addressing the things I'm most concerned about? Or are they trying to steer the, steer the conversation towards your biggest concerns fit the hammer that I have. Right. Right. And well, you, you I, need to be willing to have you, you need to be willing to have that conversation and be open and, and honest about that. And 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 sh you should expect an open and honest conversation back. Right. Well it's like you know for for some of the vendors out there, there are there are vendors who have phenomenal tools. There are I mean there are there are some great tools out there. Um, and that's all fine and dandy if you also have the expertise to properly deploy, configure, tune, monitor, maintain that. Um, you know, and so it, 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 there, there's the other piece of it. Um, but uh, you know, to kind of go back to where you were, you know, what you had originally started with about how you know we kind of exist in this this cybersecurity bubble. Um, and, and that's just it's true. I mean, because we, we talk a different language. And as long as we're only talking to each other, it makes sense, and we and we think we're making sense. Um, but you I, you know, I talk to someone about a, a virus, you know, or malware, and one malware is just a completely made up name. Right, it's an abstract concept. <laughs> <laughs> right, and, and and virus is overloaded to a number of different things, and when you apply that in a security context, if you don't. If that person isn't coming to you with the same understanding of the words that you're using and the meaning behind them, then it, how can you have a discussion about how we're going to help you solve a problem because we're not coming from a same standpoint of, what, of what, what is it that you're actually even talking about in the first place? I mean, I could go on and on about you know, stuff. I, if I go home and I tell, if I tell my wife, well, so today I was looking at, you know, rolling out a new Kubernetes cluster cluster using Terraform and Helm charts. I'm concerned about the, the container security as it relates to a cloud platform, whether it's GC, GCE, Azure, AWS. What did I just say there? <laughs> exactly. Well, and, you know, and, I, and I've run into that, too, you know, because I, I, I came from the cybersecurity trenches side of things before I got into writing and journalism and, and marketing and and I and I still have that focus but somewhere in the middle there I also got into broader 
IT uh, journalism and, and, and marketing and, and different things. And I found it interesting that like there are, you know, people who I consider to be household names in security, uh, you know, the, 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 the quote unquote security rock stars. Um, but you can go to the, the regular IT side. And, and I'm not, so I'm not even talking about like talking to my mother-in-law or my wife. I'm talking about people who actually work in tech who still don't know, like uh, who don't recognize these names. You know, if I say Jack Daniel or, or you know, Ron Gula or, you know, Marcus Carey or whatever, uh, you know, they just kind of look at me like, I, yeah, that means nothing to me. Um, and, and, and that was enlightening to me when I, the, the first time that happened, because I was like, seriously, I was like, because I was talking to, I was talking to people who I considered to be on par, you know, they, they were the, they were the IT rock stars to, you know, that were on, on the same level as the cybersecurity rock stars. And yet they don't actually know each other or know of each other. Um, and that's just within tech. So yeah, when you go talk to a customer or, or, you know, like you just explained, if you go home and talk, try to talk to your 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 family talk to your wife about it you may as well be speaking an entirely foreign language absolutely and then what happens is that as as an industry we get so excited we get so excited about the language that we're using and our ability to understand something that when we're talking to a customer we're talking through them and and we are we become so animated and so excited about this great new thing that we're talking about and we don't realize that one we need to stop Two, we need to see, and three, we need to listen. Right. Well, and so the the example you gave a few minutes ago um, about uh, you know basically trying to like kind of steer the customer toward having the problem of the thing that you have the solution for um, that reminds me a lot of like every single pharmaceutical commercial you see. You know, like I feel like there are these pharmaceutical researchers who are out there. They're they're playing around with different chemical components. And they come across something where they're like, hey, you know what? If your leg shakes a lot, this takes care of that. And someone's like, well, that's not even a thing. <laughs> and they're like, well, you know what? We're going to name it. We're going to call that restless leg syndrome. And now we're going to have a commercial and we're going to sell this. And we're going to make millions selling this to, to people who don't even know they have restless leg syndrome because we just invented it. And, that, and I feel like a lot of cybersecurity is that same way. It's like, well, I've invented this solution. Now I need to convince you that you have the problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and it, it it and it really is turtles all the way down because you know even when you're an organization which you know like like Alert Logic which focus which is fo focused solely on on I shouldn't say solely but is is primarily focused on security right and both understanding where we are today where we're going to be tomorrow how this impacts you know deployment how it impacts you know cost all those things because we're delivering a service. And so operationalizing and looking at how do I operationalize a security practice from a cost and return on value perspective, that is our business. And when an organization says, oh, okay, well, is that really my business? Then if you're not going to spend the energy to do to look at security as an aspect of your business versus something that you need, then you're going to have it's turtles all the way down. I mean, it really is from a policy standpoint, from a people standpoint, from a product standpoint. You got you're you're deciding that you're going to own the whole thing, and then you'll quickly see that okay, it, oh wait a minute, I need one of these. Oh, I didn't have this policy. Oh, you mean I need to have 24 by by seven sock? What does that actually mean? I need to. Oh, what does it mean to actually have a sock? What kind of expertise do I have? Are there reg are there regulations? Are there certifications? Oh, how do I stack that? Where do I find those people? How do I keep those people? And enough times those questions and those things aren't aren't discussed. And next thing you know, you're you're halfway, you're you sort of barely even dipped your toe into the water of security, and then you're wondering, oh, okay, how do I get my toe out of this water? I, I didn't realize that the water really isn't warm. Well, so one of the things I think too is you know, there there's when it comes to security, so companies do outsource a lot of things. So, you know, if a company you know rents a building, they do generally outsource even the lawn care and landscaping. You hire someone to do that. You hire someone to vacuum the floors and clean the bathrooms. I mean, those aren't things that you internally hire full-time employees to take on. You outsource that. Um, 
and I want to be clear that this isn't a outsourced in-house decision, right? It's not, it's one or the other. And, or A, one decision is better than another. It really is coming into awareness that from a security perspective, these are the decisions that you're going to have to make and deciding as a business, where is the place that we want to expend energy and expertise in order to make sure that, that we're making the correct decision. Right. And that's the key, right? This is not about, oh, okay, well, if you, if you spend all this money and you have a team and you have a SOC that, oh, somehow, because you didn't outsource that, that's the wrong decision. Absolutely not. That may mean that there are certain aspects of, of that problem space that you are going to decide. You know, that's why a lot of people do have third-party pen tests, right? Some organizations have an internal pen testing team. And that's a whole separate thing versus saying, oh, okay, well, we need to have, you know, uh, a pen test and we want to have it done by a third party, right? That's not to say that there is, oh, I'm going to do one piece of this or the other and I have to decide across it. There, there is a, it is a gradient in which there is no right answer. The important thing is to make sure that you're, you're having it, you're making a conscious decision about which aspect of this problem you're trying to solve and how much of your business do you want to invest in order to solve that internally. Right. And that's, that, 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 that's fair. I completely agree with that assessment. Um, I was just going to say though, that I feel like a lot of the, 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 the inertia of cybersecurity in general, like kind of where things started and, and, and what we kind of have to overcome to, to, I think, get to the next level and get better protection for, companies in general was this perception of okay well it's okay for me to you know outsource you know janitorial services it's okay for me to outsource landscaping services but i don't trust anyone with my security this is my data this is my stuff and so there's you know a perception um and, you know of of that you know that should be done internally because it's sensitive it's confidential it's classified um, and so there's a trust slash paranoia balance to overcome. Um, but ultimately, I feel like there, there are just so many advantages too. Like, you know, like, like, for example, you know, especially today with, with the internet and YouTube and, and everything else, you know, there are very few things that I like technically need to go to the doctor for. I can probably find, you know, enough resources to figure stuff out if I want to invest the time and effort to do it, if I want to invest in the equipment to, to take care of it and stuff. But, you know, I go to the doctor because that's the professional I trust. That's the guy who does this for a living. Um, and, you know, and if I don't, if I don't have that trust, if I go, to, if I go see a doctor and he tells me some things and I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't think so. I think you're just trying to, you know, s- you know, s- sell me a load of crap because it, you know, helps you, helps you pay for your Porsche. Uh, you know, then I switch doctors, you know, because that, that is a that is a trust relationship. And, you know, so I think that cybersecurity is, is, is much the same way. There are, there are a lot of benefits to outsourcing it. Uh, and, you know, and, and I, I often refer to the model of Office 365 uh, when, I'm, when I'm talking about these things because of it. There were there's, there was a lot of pushback initially, and there still is from some people of, well, I don't want to pay monthly or yearly for for office. I just want to buy office. And I was like, well, okay, great, you can do that. You can spend four hundred dollars to buy Office Professional and install that on one PC, and that's it. That's all you get. Or you can spend you know seven dollars a month or ten dollars a month or whatever, depending on the level you want to get, and have office have that same office on five different PCs plus exchange on the back end, plus SharePoint on the back end, plus constant updates and upgrades and new features, you know, that, that just come automatically. And it'll take you four years to reach that same $400 that you <laughs> that you wanted to spend on, on that one license. Um, that is a choice you can make. It's just, to me, a kind of a no-brainer choice. I think you bring up a very interesting point about the the, the trust aspect. I think those walls are are breaking down, and it is somewhat inevitable with with things like the the cloud and IoT, where you know every device is on all the time. I mean, years ago, I used to I used to make a a point about 
the fact that most users, most even organizations, but I was in this time is that most users don't understand the trust relationships that are in and on their computer at any given point in time, especially when it relates to a browser. Nowadays, I've, I've got at least two to three browsers open at any one time, whether it's Chrome, Firefox, and Safari. And of that, I've got multiple tabs, which have created multiple different linkages and trust relationships that are unbeknownst to me in the first place. And so I have to, I have to sort of give this, this notion of, of trust out there. When I was doing Ounce Labs, there were the argument was, oh, customers didn't want to give source code, didn't want to have you know, a service where someone is actually analyzing the source code because they put the trust in their source code. And then I would argue saying, well, if you've given the binary out there, then you, you have given your source code. Granted, it's not in a high-level language like C, but when I, when I did my engineering degree, we were doing things in ones and zeros. So it's still source code at some level to some person it may not be you know the most readable easily interpret interpretable uh, from that perspective but you're giving away the source code anyways so we're already giving these trust relationships out there i think it behooves us to recognize that a that is a thing that's already being done and so the question is do you have a good enough understanding of the risks that are being associated with that and how you can apply better security practices to that environment rather than saying, oh, okay, for, for some reason, if we're not on the internet or we have our own data center, that, that implies that we have more, more security. Those two right. things, that, that notion that there is one environment which offers greater security than another, at this point, is it's unless you're unplugged, and that means, oh, by the way, unplugged and you don't actually have a computer where there's physical access at, at that's not monitored at all times with you know biometric scanning and nobody can ever have access to that machinery, then it is. Oh, and by the way, do you completely know the complete supply chain that where all those components came from? Who built that machine? I mean, it is it goes all the way down. So at some point you have to begin to to understand that this is an environment. It's a very complex environment. And which part of that do you actually want to know and understand? And ultimately realizing that there is no sort of walled garden that's somehow going to make you more secure. I mean, that, the medical right. devices, I, and IoT used to think, oh, well, you know, who's going to pay attention to this? What about cars, right? Now that we, you know, I remember talking to automobile manufacturers saying, hey, do you realize that you don't make cars, you're a software company? And and there's so much software in cars nowadays. And then you look at it saying, oh, by the way, where there's software, there are vulnerabilities. Yep. Well, and, you know, it's only semi-related, but, you know, there was just a story last week uh, that, you know, researchers were able to clone a uh, Tesla key fob again. <laughs> you know, they did, they did it once, and then Tesla changed some things, and then they came back and did it again. Uh, and, you know, and so, was, yeah, you know, that that's one of those areas of, like, everything that makes, you know, everything in technology that makes your life more convenient also exposes you to risk. And and just because something is complex doesn't mean that it's unknowable. I mean there are there there are you know we we there was a talk at RSA last year where we're looking at using microscopes to completely understand what's going on in a chip. So we have to we have to sort of relax a little bit and realize that it you know, at each layer, there's a level of expertise and there's a level of risk. But the minute you're going to put something out there, you you can't sort of wall wall that off. And if you think in those terms, um, you know, your mileage may may vary. Now, right. that's not that that's that's not to say that you know if you are you know if you are building a uh, let's say that you're building a a gaming engine for the next lottery. Well, having the access to the source code and not treating treating that with you know with a very different kind of process, there's certainly a greater risk to your overall business right. than than cases where that's not your kind of business. So that's you know, or say electronic very, voting machines. Yes, it's it's very <laughs> careful. I mean, I'm always very careful to say it's, this is not a one size fits all. You know, you have to. It's not like we're 
you need to look through only one lens, I think it's important for you to consciously come to this discussion and, and be able to define those borders of where you want to apply expertise. What are the reasons why you want to do that? And then how, how much do you really want to invest in that to be great? And if the decision is, well, we don't need to be great, well, well, good. But then you need to be able to define what good enough is. And I think people get caught in, 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 the, in the middle of, well, either you need to do it all. Right? Security experts like to say, oh, okay, well, it's, you know, if you listen to the security guy who's going to tell you all the things why you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't have Bluetooth on, right, or all the reasons why you shouldn't do this. And, and well, wait a minute, I, this is... This is how I run my business. I mean, I have a Bluetooth speaker in, in my office. If I'm going to worry about all those things all the time, then, then it's not going to allow me to focus on those things which are really, truly important. Right. Well, I don't know if you if you ever read this, but uh, years and years ago, I read uh, Bruce Schneier's uh, Beyond Fear, which is an excellent book. I recommend it. Um, but in it, he talked about uh, you know a lot of the kind of the perception versus reality when it comes to fear, like how there are, you know, there are, you know, more people afraid to fly than afraid to drive, even though statistically that makes zero sense. You know, like the, the, the fear of flying, if you're, if you're concerned about dying, don't get in a car, but by all means get in a plane. Um, and, you know, and, and kind of, you know, he also talked about, you know, this is the security theater of, you know why we have to take off our shoes and everything when we go through TSA and everything. It's like we've 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 created this sort of illusion of security for problems that really aren't that serious because it makes us feel better, while we simultaneously ignore the things that are actually the larger security problems. And I think I think companies do a lot of that too. And and, and I think part of that, you know, it, it, it I'm I'm tying this back to the conversation about trust and and do you put trust in a in an outsourced company you know can you can you find a partner to work with that you can trust for cybersecurity um and i think that a lot of the fears about that uh when you kind of peel back the layers turn out to be sort of unfounded that 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 you know you're you're actually putting yourself at greater risk in a lot of cases by trying to do it yourself and doing it poorly than you would be if you just trusted a third party. Well, I like to say Frank Herbert did it, uh, said it best in his book, Dune. If you haven't read it, you should read it. Uh, where uh, the Atreides, one of the sayings is, fear is the mind killer. And it really is, right? Fear causes the mind to, to create scenarios and create situations and what-if scenarios that if you were to spend all day thinking about that, worrying about that, you wouldn't actually move. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, I, I get into that. Well, first of all, uh, not only have I read Dune, I've read it multiple times and I've read uh, up through like book nine or 10. So <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big Dune, Dune fan and big uh, Frank Herbert fan. Um, but I also talk about that uh, in a similar vein a lot of times when it comes to things like uh, Siri and Alexa and, and those types of things and people saying, well, I don't want that thing in my in my house, listening to my conversation, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, OK, that's a decision you can make. But understand that, you know, like when, when you know, everywhere you go, there are, you know, cameras and microphones. And if you've got your phone, there's cameras and microphones and it's all everything is kind of a, a, a balance and a choice. And, and, you know, you can decide, you know, that you don't trust Amazon or you don't trust Google or you don't trust Apple or whatever. And you can try to like live some sort of Luddite existence where you don't <laughs> interact with any of those things. Um, but personally, I, 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 for myself and, and what I recommend is, you know, pick one. You know, pick pick the one you trust because there there are a lot of you know, and I realize we're kind of veering off from cybersecurity here, but there are a lot of benefits. You know, like I I, I like the fact that when I uh, if I send you an email right now and I say, hey Ryan, uh, I'll have that I'll have that uh, blog post to you by next Tuesday. That Office three sixty five and Cortana are monitoring that, and it will automatically create a reminder for me. It'll say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna 
we're going to now let you know, hey, you you committed to Ryan, you were going to have this done on Tuesday. I love that. Uh, some people might find that creepy. Um, and, and, and in order to have that, in order to have that benefit, I have to give some trust to Microsoft. I have to allow Microsoft to look at my email and and kind of extract that information. Um, but I think that that's great. And I think that it, I think it's great for me on my iPhone to be able to say, you know, I have this appointment. Here's the address of where I need to be at 4 p.m. And to have, you know, Siri or iOS or whatever, be able to monitor my location, know that I have this appointment and say, hey, Tony, traffic's kind of getting busy. You should leave now. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, but but again, I have to trust Apple in order to make that happen. Yeah, I, I mean, I. I think for me, the, the issue isn't so much that the, the access to that data, for me personally, it's just a matter of, great, but don't hide behind, oh, by the way, by accepting these terms of this very long contractual agreement, you're willing to do this thing that we can't describe what we're actually doing, and it's going to enrich the service, and we're not actually going to tell you how we're doing, how it's enriching the service, or who we're doing business with. I mean, that, for me, I think that that that's where that's where I'm at. But I, mm -hmm. I, I totally I totally get where you are because you can't you go out in the in the world and you don't know where. I mean, I'm driving my car and you know you know, I'm going through a toll lane and they're taking a picture of me. You know, I, if I go here, if I'm in a restaurant, if I have my phone on and I go in, I don't know. I don't remember. Did I turn Bluetooth off? Do I have Wi-Fi on? Is the DPS on? And which location services and all that stuff is is happening. So you're right. It's it's if you're making the choice saying, oh well, I'm not going to opt in for this. I'm really scared of Alexa or Siri, Siri for whatever reason. But then at the same time, like okay, well, but but I'm on Instagram right now, liking these ten pictures. Then it's kind of an arbitrary decision at that point. Right. right. You just made this arbitrary thing. Well, well right. one is right. different than the other. When reality is, is that they're the same. Well, and oftentimes the same people who are like, well, no, I, I, I will not have a, a, an Amazon Echo in my house because I don't want Alexa listening to my conversations are the same people who are answering the like Facebook quiz about, you know, which which, you know, Harry Potter Hogwarts house are you in? You know, and, and answering the qu quiz questions of, you know, what school did you go to and what was your first pet's name and stuff. And it's like, you know, like they don't, there's such a disconnect there of, you know, I don't, I don't trust Alexa, but I'm going to provide all of his information just so that it can tell me that I'm in Hufflepuff. And, and I think, you know, to, to sort of bring it back to security, really what we're, really what we're talking about is the fact that you, you've got to, you've got to create those boundaries got to decide which problems are you actually trying to solve and, and is it relevant and important to you and what's the most efficient way for you to get there is it gum that you want on your shoe or is this a piece of gum that you want to get off if you're taking it if you're taking the, the gum off your shoe you need to make sure that you you find a partner that that is a not completely saying oh i'm going to take this this piece of gum off your shoe but i'm going to give you these two pieces to put back on your shoe, right? That's that's not the kind of trade you're looking for. It's not give me, you know, take away one and give me two. You know, it is okay if you're taking away this. Are we speaking the same language so that I understand what problem I'm giving to you, and you understand when I'm saying I'm giving it to you, what does it mean to receive it? And, and that requires an open and honest conversation, which I think is is in the security industry. Those it seem to be hard to have these days. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, because, you know, and to go way, way back to you know something you said earlier in the in the in the podcast, um, I think when you're having the conversation, I mean, when you're talking to a vendor about their product, about their service, um, yeah, this is this isn't a hard and fast fact, but I feel like if the vendor can only talk about if, if basically no matter what you bring up, they, they, they want to talk about how their product will take care of it, that seems to me to be a disingenuous and dishonest conversation. In other words, the vendor has to also be able to be honest about what they can't do. Um, and, and that should be part of the conversation. You know, part of the conversation should be, look, I'm going to do these things for you uh, and understand, you know, you know what are the, the constraints on that? What are the boundaries on that? Like, I'm going to do these things for you 
but this is like outside of that scope or, or we're, we're not capable of doing this and you, you still need to address this problem yourself or, you know, we'll help you figure out how to address this problem, but it's outside of our capabilities, whatever it is. But, but I feel like if the vendor, if the vendor you're speaking to only talks about how, you know, they're just the answer for everything, then that seems to me to be a red flag. Oh, absolutely. It's it's about having a conversation, having dialogue. Dialogue requires two things. Dialogue requires presence and the ability to listen. And I think oftentimes if you if you if you're on the table talking with anybody, and this isn't whether it's a, a security person, whether it's your best friend, whether it's your coworker, I don't care who it is. If you're having a conversation, you can actually tell whether that person is listening because you can see whether they actually are hearing your question and responding or they are just thinking about what their next response is going to be based on yep. the last point that they made. Yep. yep. And, 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 and it's very common. I mean, that, 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 that's, that's, I would say the majority of people tend to communicate that way. And, and, and I'm guilty of it frequently myself. And so I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like, you're not even listening anymore because you're, you're, you're kind of repeating your next point in your own head. You're like, I'm just waiting for a pause so I can say the thing I want to say. And you never even heard what was, was said. And, and you're right. When I say a dialogue, it has to be on both sides. You, you have to realize that at, when you're looking at a partner, you need to make sure that you're listening as much to what the partner is, is telling you as the partner is listening to what you're telling them and making sure that that is a conversation that is occurring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's an old, uh, you know, back when I was doing sales and, and uh, doing sales training stuff like Zig Ziglar and Tom Hopkins. And, you know, they always like to talk about how uh, you have you have two ears and one mouth and that your your communication should follow that same ratio. Yeah, two ears, two, two eyes, one mouth. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, I think that's a, a great place to kind of wrap things up. Um, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I think it was a great conversation. Uh, hopefully the podcast audience uh, gets something out of that. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, thank you. Have a great weekend. Yeah, great. Thank you. Same to you. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.